While 50% of five house sellers in 2022 had only been in their old home for an average of four to four years and 12 weeks. That's amazing. Midweek show, although it's maybe not the midweek show because midweek was yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm quickly just putting my phone on silent because no doubt somebody's going to actually phone me when I'm the, on this show. I know, I've just had to turn my notebooks to see it lighten up. So. Tell you what, it's like, you know, 50% of house sellers in 2022 have only been in their home an average of four, week, uh, four years and 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. That's actually quite startling considering that before it was like, Folk were in their home for about six years. I mean, yeah. the, the share of Brits moving each year has been declining since the late 1980s, um, when at one stage, people moved every eight years. Yet since the pandemic beginning, uh, something appears to have upset that trend. I wonder what that was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah. Um, the newspaper stories, for example, Richard, and social media posts yeah. painted a picture of homeowners moving... Uh, from city centres uh, to its suburbs, from the suburbs to the towns and countrysides around the UK. Areas like the Cotswolds, for example, down in England, and coastal towns like we've got here around the country got swamped by the race for space, significantly affecting housing markets, including Fife. So, you I mean, we saw it, didn't we? Yeah, I was just going to say, we did see that in it. And it was quite evident that that was that was the trend, and that was what was being put out there on social media and the news outlets. That everybody was escaping yeah. the city and the suburbs and countryside, and and we've seen it here in Fife. Obviously, people coming through from yeah. obviously Edinburgh and across the bridge and things, and and tend to pick up property in more rural areas away from the hustle and bustle. Obviously, on the back of the pandemic and lockdown and COVID. So as a start. How many Brits have actually moved and how long have they been in their homes before they've actually moved? I mean, in Great Britain, there are 28.3 million households <laughs> <laughs> on which 19.3 million are owner-occupied and 4.43 million owned by private buy-to-let landlords. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's what some people will do. Eh? It's like, oh, well, you can't please everybody. I mean, yes. that actually equates to about seven trillion of residential property in private hands. Yeah. Eight years before the initial lockdown in twenty, eight years before the initial lockdown, um, well, actually in twenty twenty, the average of seventy nine thousand six hundred and forty six properties were sold each month in the UK, meaning that just under a million UK households actually moved annually. Therefore, in those eight years. The average British homeowner moved every 20 years and four months. Now, that's a longer time. Yeah. Interestingly enough, you're probably in the, well, you maybe are in the 50% four years, 12 weeks, and I'm yeah. in the 50% 20 years and four months. Yeah. Because effectively, I've been in my house for 
Yeah, about 20 years. About 20 years. It's remarkable when you think about it. I know, time, time does pass. Because when you think about, well, I'll, when I, I let for a few years and then I've been in my house for six, going on seven, probably. Yeah. yeah. Frighteningly enough, I, I, was thinking, I was thinking back because it was Valentine's Day yesterday and I thought, or the day before, and I thought to myself, wait a minute, I met Elaine 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of a reality check. Or, or thereabouts, or thereabouts, you know, just, mm -hmm, yeah. just under that. It's like, oh my God, it's like, Flipping egg. That's uh, that's quite remarkable. I think for uh, almost forty years. Um, so, what uplift was there in people moving home after the first lockdown in twenty twenty? Then, Richard. Yeah. So, I mean, in twenty twenty one and like the early twenty uh, twenty two, an average of just over one hundred and two thousand people moved home monthly, taking yeah. the average move uh, in any one time uh, to once every sixteen years. Um, mm -hmm. So even though there was an uplift in people moving home, it was nothing like obviously back in the 1980s and things. Yeah. Um, it shows that obviously in the 21st century, once you've succeeded in buying a property, you can call like a, like call your home, like what you and I have at the moment. Uh, there isn't much enthusiasm uh, to move again, really. Yeah. If you're quite comfortable in somewhere and you feel like it's your home, you didn't really have that urge to keep moving until you... So, if that's the case, uh, then what's happening in the five property market right now then? Well... We love our homes in Fife. A lot of people are quite settled in Fife, but most of uh, most of you, including obviously like myself and you, Jim, still want uh, to better our lives uh, with maybe a larger home, maybe a better, slightly better area, uh, and what typically requires us to climb up the Fife property ladder. Uh, and that's what you see quite a lot. People maybe want a wee bit extra space. Uh, they maybe do want to change area. Things like driveways and just maybe extra outdoor space. So that wee bit extra maybe pushes them to move on. Yeah, yeah, when you think about it, Richard, with five house prices having risen 153% yeah. in the last 19 years, the cost of going up the next run on the five property ladder has become actually more prohibitive. Yeah. I mean, everyone remembers back in the 1980s when we had an upbeat booming property market uh, as a backdrop, um, mm -hmm. the British homeowners moved uh, home every eight years. Uh, so now, with the average move time um, in the mid to late teens in terms of years, this yeah. equates to each homeowner only moving round about three or four times in their actual adult life. Um, or, or could it be something else? We all know the phrase that, well, we all know the phrase, don't we? I say it all the time, don't I? Lies, dumb lies, and statistics. You can make anything look how you want it to look. You, you know, I'm an accountant by trade, so yeah. Used to get asked all the time, what's the profit going to come in it for the month? And I went, what answer would you like? Because <laughs> <laughs> I can do accruals and prepayments to adjust that if you like. <laughs> Most accountants will get that. <laughs> I mean, the home mover statistics uh, above, uh, you know, what we talked about, uh, hide some of the great details about the British property market. When British homeowners get into their 50s and 60s, hello, that's me, and beyond, <laughs> their inclination to move home drops like a, basically a proverbial stone. I mean, yeah. I've just been out to someone in St Andrews right now, and they've been in the house for quite a considerable time, but it's like, oh, I can't be bored with the hassle. Even though they're in a big, massive house, it's a five-bedroom, a three-reception, yeah. it, it could be coming to market soon, folks. <laughs> so what goes <laughs> for that one? <laughs> Round about the 700,000 price point. Um, uh, you know, it, it, they just, it was only two of them rattling about in it, and it's massive. Mm. 
Um, and and they're just, they're just, the, the, the thought about moving, let's say it this way. I heard a great phrase the other day, and it's the only way you'll do anything is if the perceived pain of doing what you're about to do is less than the pain where you are right now. Ah, right, okay. That makes sense, yeah? Yeah, if you're unhappy where you are, you still won't move if you think that the, the move's going to be going to cause you more pain than that. Because more people, more people are motivated by the pain than they are motivated by the reward. Like the gratification, yeah. It's pushed by your dreams or pulled by your... Push, pulled by your dreams or pushed by your circumstances... And in most cases, home movers really at that age in the 50s and 60s only really move because of their circumstances and they're pushed into it. And I mean things like the house is far too big. It's cost an absolute fortune to run this. I can't afford it anymore. So it gets it gets to a drastic state. I no longer can, I can manage the stairs. I have to go somewhere to accommodate my needs because I can't have the stairs and we can't get anywhere downstairs to have a, 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 a bedroom and then also the bathroom's upstairs, and we can't get one downstairs either. And so they're pushed by their situation. So, yeah. they're, so they're, they're pushed by their circumstances rather than pulled by their dreams. And that's the one thing I talk to all house owners about, is for goodness sake, do not get into that position. Because if you leave it to the last minute and get into that position, you're left to the elements of the economy at that time, and also the housing market at that time as well. Yeah. That's what that's the key instrumental uh, phases out of that. So yes, lies down lies in statistics, and you know, fifties to sixties and onwards can't be bored moving their home. But that's what's going to do it. I mean, the average time a homeowner homeowner worth out a mortgage because it's generally when you're in these, you know, when you're in that age group, you kind of cleared your mortgage. Um, unless you're like me and you think I can make a better return on my mortgage. <laughs> <if> I, <laughs> so why would I want to pay that money off if I'm getting it cheap? So. Um, Without a mortgage, so this is the average time a homeowner without a mortgage actually takes to move, and it's and it's twenty four years and twenty seven weeks. I mean that's just about twenty four and a half years. Um, so just over seven out of ten outright homeowners, i.e., with a mortgage, are you know are sixty five and older. So usually, yeah, I've just proved that point. So mm -hmm. does that mean that when I get to sixty five, I've got to pay my mortgage off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, to be normal yeah to fit in with the with the uh, the uh, but i mean homeowners with a mortgage tend to be younger and middle-aged like obviously myself and yeah homeowners with a mortgage uh, they tend to move a, a little less and that's usually around about every 10 years and 11 11 weeks or something just yeah. over 10 years uh so whilst you cannot determine which house sellers has a mortgage and which doesn't you can look at how quickly people move in the market, especially here in Fife. Um, and therefore, you could take a look at like the last 50 properties. Um, that we, we had a look at the last 50 in Fife and found some interesting results. So what, what were they, Jim? Well, interestingly enough, the average Fife homeowner mm -hmm. had only been in their home on an average of, of 11 years and six weeks before they actually sold. Yeah. Yet the devil's in the detail, remember. Mm -hmm. Now, this appears to be a two-speed uh, Fife property market. Yeah, 50% of house sellers in 2022 had only been in their home an average of four years and 12 weeks. Then let's split the findings into quarters then, if that's the case. So 25%, now bear with me, the fastest 
five homeowners in 2022 moved on average two years and 34 weeks. So that was 25% of that market in five. Yeah. The next 25% of the fastest five homeowners in 2022 moved on an average of five years and 36 weeks. The next 25, then they moved. Here's the graph here, right here. Yeah. Um, moved on average 13 years and four weeks. And then the final slowest 25% of five homeowners in 2022 on average moved after 22 years and 28 weeks now when you look at all the properties for example yeah. that fall into that fall into the slower time bands the ones that don't move or, or sell so often they tend to be larger properties where homeowners have lived often for 30 or even 40 years so yeah and that's maybe maybe one of the lessons we've got to one of the lessons from these statistics then is that once the homeowners get into their 60s and 70s, their tendency and inclination to move home declines significantly. This means that, well, what does it mean? Well, it means that homeowners, um, it means that homes that are on the lower rings of the five property ladder uh, are selling quickly, uh, are, are selling quickly and younger aged homeowners occupy them. Yet yeah. five uh, people tend to get older. Uh, once five people tend to get older, their, ten, their, their tendency is to uh, to move diminishes, but and yeah. like you were saying about this this couple in St Andrews, they're older, they, they don't feel the need to move, they're in this big house, but they're comfortable and they've been there a long time. This falls into my discussion again this morning, but I yeah. had in the couple in St Andrews. The biggest challenge for them is to downsize to a bungalow. Yeah, and I said the fact that there's a limit in supply of bungalows, if any at all, and they're like hen's teeth, then stops. It obstructs the younger generation yeah. from wanting to buy the bigger five properties as these mature homeowners have to live in them. They can't actually move. It's a, it's a stalemate. Uh, and, you know, so what's what's holding the generation back from selling and downsizing to free up the family homes is the, uh, the, the, the desperately need them. Um, and some will have apathy and some will be wanting to hold on to their homes. They bought their families. They brought their families up. Because of their family. Yeah. yeah. Yet the bottom line is, as a you know, as a country, we we, we must really reconsider how we encourage, and, and not force, by the way, yeah, older homeowners to sell their larger homes to release them to the younger families that desperately need them. To allow people to move before, up the ladder. I said before, you know, the older homeowners need a property that's suitable to their needs, and they need to downsize. But the difficulty is, there's not a, a higher degree of profit in a bungalow then you can get from a two-storey house yeah, or even yeah. a three-storey townhouse or even apartments. And that's where the, that's where the difficulty lies. The, the, the councils or the planning departments are allowing, are potentially allowing, now I'm just going to say this, you know, with a, a wee um, get-out-of-jail card or whatever it is, you know, a, a clause, because I'm yeah. no... But I believe, I believe... I believe the reason for this is because I've made some inquiries about this already and says, why are you not doing this? Why are you not putting restrictive uh, planning conditions on this? Oh, we can't do that. And I'm like, of course you can't, because you insist that you put planning for social housing on a development and they can't yeah. do it unless they do that or unless they pay a premium for not having social housing. And most of them just do the social housing because the premium is so, um, pr so prohibitive in terms of what you have to pay to not have the social housing on their site. It, they, you know, it's like it doesn't make economic sense you're probably better just having a wee bit of social housing sticking in the corner 
or putting it at the front where it's out the way and it doesn't get into the full body of the of yeah. the kirk, so to speak. And that's the difficulty. They're not planning, I believe, planning isn't putting conditions on house builders to say that if you're going to build here, you must put a proportional amount of bungalows which represents the population mix in the community relevant um, to actually allow them to downsize, to release the bigger houses so people can upgrade into these houses so the older generation aren't stuck in there, paying yeah. an extortionate amount in terms of energy costs, because this, this couple was £500 a month for their energy bills now. To eat a house, they're only using two or three rooms. But they can't find a place to go to. And then council tax at high levels as well. You've got the maintenance as well. And so you've got all these things that go hand in hand with this. Um, so I think we have to really reconsider and, and find a way for older, you know, older homeowners uh, to, to actually sell their bigger homes to downsize. That, that's the key to here. I mean, uh, some, does, recent articles, some recent articles have a suggested tax breaks, okay? Yet the government doesn't have the money to give the massive tax breaks. Yeah, it does mention in there, obviously, and there will always be those people who hang on to their properties because they've got the sentimental ties to their families and things like that. But like you demonstrated there, Jim, and I've seen it as well, there is people out there that would voluntarily downsize and move to the right property if it was available. And, and the, Here's the one that the, comes with emotional the ties. Is that there's not. Here's the one that comes with emotional ties. Yep. You, know the, you probably know what I'm about to say. What if my family come to visit? Yeah. Really? Do you know how many times, and, and I immediately go back to them and say, how many times do your family visit a year? Christmas. When is the last company stay? Yeah. Christmas, that's it. Yeah. Or the next thing is the grandkids. What if the grandkids have to visit? How many How many times a year do the grandkids visit? Oh, maybe about twice. Okay, so you're going to spend the best part of an extra cost of £12,000 a year, potentially, in running costs. To find, you know, to just keep that when you could actually probably downsize to a more affordable property and even still have some sort of extra bedroom, just yeah, for or, or, yeah. Well, an office study it converts into a bedroom when it's needed, something like that, or or another room at the hub for you know crafts or arts or yeah, you know, um, pottery or or you know an artist studio. Some, some of these bungalows, yeah. Some of these bungalows have the setting bedroom, but it's usually got like sometimes they've got patio doors and they have a sofa bed yeah. in it, so it's like another reception room, but it can double up as a bedroom. So and that kind of works for guests and family or whatever. I've seen that quite a lot. But but it is but it is the emotional decision. It's the yeah. fact that the emotional decision overpowers everything. We know that because the emotional yeah. side of your brain is six times more powerful yeah. than the logical side of your brain. But when you look at it in a logical sense, like I've just explained there, the now, you know. For, for your visiting family for once a year to save you almost £12,000, if not more, and release all that capital so you can go and do and have these holidays, these wonderful holidays you've always wanted to have, you could put them up in a hotel for that period of time. Yeah. Because literally it would only cost you what? I mean, there's I've just booked four four nights in London. Mm -hmm. quid. You're not know, telling me it's dearer than London to, to, to have a place in, you know, a place here. You know, yeah. for four nights or even a week is 600 quid probably. An Airbnb, serviced accommodation that you could put them up in. It's just maybe a couple of couple of doors up or maybe just around the corner or in the same community. And it's like, that's all you need to spend and you'll save yourself an absolute fortune. Most importantly, though, you'll not be cleaning a house from top to bottom in rooms that you don't need every single day. And you'll not be doing a garden 
just to keep mon keep manicuring it every single day yeah. when you can't do it because your knees are given out and your hips are in agony and your arthritis is coming into play. You could you could almost feel I've got some emotional response. <laughs> I'm just going to say, Jim. <laughs> um, I'm getting to the stage. It's like my God. It's like I'm holding my phone at night and I'm I'm doing that and I put my phone down. It's like oh my God, <laughs> that's sore. I'll tell you. And it's like, I can't even believe that, but I'm just, what, 50? I'm, 50, I'm a 56. 56. 57? No, I'm 57 now. You're 56. No, I'm 57 this year. 56, because I'm 36. I'm 56. 10 years. Right. Oh, well, well done. You're always 20. I'm always 20. Yeah, 20 years. Years, so, yeah. I wonder if you ever catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I just, My granddad used to say that to me all the time. Now, you'll catch up with me one day. And I thought, how am I going to do that? <laughs> That's no I now I know it's not possible, but at that time it was just a wee lad and it was like can I trying to, work, trying to work that one out. But I mean uh, it, I mean we laugh and things, but as a, it's, a, it's a real situation that does uh, play out day in, day out, and there's a lot of people in that situation and it does have a big effect on the the way that the market in terms of people moving around and up the prop to be able to move up the property ladder, it, it does it does have an effect and it like you say, it obstructs them for doing that. Because uh, there's a lot of good family homes that are taken up with maybe just an older couple or sometimes even people on their own. Um, and there's not enough new houses being built for people to go up the ladder into. So, um, and then, and likewise, there's not enough suitable housing for people to downsize in either. So it's like a catch-22. And that's why we're in the situation we are. You know? I, I, even think, I even think we're getting to the stage where the council is going gonna, is gonna to rue the day, the very fact that they've not built enough social housing. And, and I'm talking about in terms of our elderly population. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we know everything. You know, Kirtland High School was floored and methyl, and they're, now they're building it all in there. They're building all these units. They're building that home as well for for all, yeah. all the, our older generation, uh, and that's fantastic. But I, I, I desperately think we don't have enough. I don't think we have enough at all, and I think it's essential we need to we need to have some sort of proper housing policy uh, based on a community basis, actually based yeah. on boots on the ground, rather than, you know, it's great, universal, it's great to say in politics, hey, we're going to build 110,000 social housing over the next 11 years. Okay, but if, you know, how's that going to, how's that going to work? And how are we going to do that if we can't even build the private sector housing right now? And we don't have the resources to do that. We've sent all the people back home because of Brexit. Yeah. We've got no people to do that. We've got lack of skills. We've got lack of tradespeople. We've got lack of people to actually fill positions. We can see that. Employment, unemployment is at a record low still. 3.7% unemployment set, which is equivalent to where it was in 1971. It's never been as low since then. We've got a record level of low unemployment. We've got a record level of people chasing fewer jobs. It's crazy, eh? And that only means that prices will go up because people will begin to then try to pay higher salaries to attract the right to people. The right people yeah, yeah. Or, you know what's happening next, the spiral of inflation. Inflation comes into play and starts to hit us as well, again. Yeah, and then yeah. everybody puts their hand out again and says, please, sir, can I yeah, have some right, more? Sir. You know, Oliver Twist. Uh, that's really, can I have some more? And then what happens out of that is then they turn around and say, well, I'm going to have to put my prices up then in order to pay you more because the labor cost is usually the biggest cost of any product and manufacturing any service given out 
the labour costs the, the highest. So that usually has an impact there. So therefore, they put their prices up. Therefore, we have to pay more. Therefore, inflation gets measured and it goes up again. Interest rates have to go up to curb inflation. And then it's more money out of our pocket. And then we have to put our hand out again to <laughs> go, can I get more? Because I can't afford to pay my mortgage now. See where that... And then... And, but... The difficulty of this, and I'll just I'll just close this loop how, how yeah. we're thinking here. The difficulty of this, the person on universal credit suffers because yeah. Yeah. they're not getting these salary increases like what anybody else is getting. So you know, ten percent of thirty thousand is three thousand pounds. Ten percent of I don't know what they're surviving on now, nine thousand is nine hundred quid. So they've got the same prices to deal with, yeah. nevertheless. Yeah. Look, we're, we're putting up universal credit by 900 quid or 10%, and everyone goes, that's fantastic. And it's like, but that represents about 900 quid. They, they can literally can't even afford to live on what they've got the now, and you're going to try and give them 900 quid when the price has gone up everything else. Even food's gone up 17%. That's the measure they're talking about. So you see how that vicious circle and that loop, and you could easily get to a point where you have hyperinflation, if you do not, and you have to, you don't break the cycle, or if you do break the cycle and it goes the other way and it drops too dramatically, you could have stagnation, which is even worse. We're actually better to have a decent level. Hence, the reason the government just wants two percent inflation every single year, nice and stable, steady as we go, yeah. grow organically as a nation and as a, as a as a as a gross domestic product in terms of exports and imports. Okay, one thing we know though. One thing I know, we as a country have seen and will continue to see a lot of demographic change together with an increasingly aging population. It's coming. Just to say that people are living longer. I spoke to, uh, you know, Eleanor, Eleanor Bowman actually last night. Um, wasn't it Eleanor? Yeah, possibly. We were talking about that and I was talking about the aging population. We we're talking about jobs and all the rest of it. And I says, and about automation. And I says, you're going to have to have automation. Because literally, once people like me die off and all the generations before me, there's not enough people to replace all the jobs that are available. Yeah. And if we can't, if we can't fill what we've got now, we can't replace all the you know more jobs that come into the market. That's why automation has to be put in place. And with the aging population as well, you're then going to have to earn more money to to support the system, and it's going to come from taxes. Because you're not going to be bringing as much taxes as well, because all these older people like me will be having to need help, right? You know, I won't. I've planned for this. You know, I, I was I was smart enough to see this all coming thirty years ago and thought to myself, no chance. I know what's coming. I know we're going to have a pension crisis. I know we're going to have an economy which we're not going to have a sustainable health service or anything like that. So I I made plans that I wouldn't rely on anything, any help from the government yeah. for that reason. And lo and behold, unfortunately, it's come to fruition. Yeah. These yeah. are the things you think, I hope I'm no right. But you know, deep down, when you know the numbers and you understand the numbers mm -hmm. and you see how things are going, yeah, it's right. Interestingly enough, I was listening this morning to a podcast and they were talking about, this is me diversing, you know, oh, um, off the track. Uh, this guy was saying that Ray Dalio, right, Ray, Ray Dalio is a billionaire investor. And he's been, for the last years, he's been... For the last 20 years or 30 years, he's been spending millions upon millions upon millions of pounds on research about, you know, trends over all the hundreds of years in our society and, and looking for these trends. 
And he says it's exactly the same every single time, the pattern of behavior. And it goes from good to bad to good to bad to good to bad. And he says he knows and he's marked it all out. Now, I thought, really? And, and the guy the guy started saying, did you know that China, it's like China and America actually going to war. He reckons there's a 40% chance of that happening. Okay. And I, that's supposed to bother me. <laughs> <laughs> but when you think about it, you're either yeah. doing it or you're no. So yeah. it's either zero or 100%. A 40% chance. I shouldn't be worried about that at all, but I genuinely believe that there's people out there going, oh, do you realise there's a chance? It's like, oh, there's a chance of anything happening. I was going to say, there's but a chance of anything happen. could happen, yeah. Yeah, unless it happens, there's no point. So stop worrying about the things that don't happen or will never happen. Yeah. That's my that's my top tip for today. Yeah, do you know, I learned something earlier today and it was about exaggerating things in your own mind. Uh, and we spoke about this before. It's like you think, you think about scenarios and how things play out that haven't even happened. I mean, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, I mean, was that in Stephen Brown's uh, training by any chance? It was, yeah. I see. There you go. See, most people don't realise that we have one of the top trainers in estate mm -hmm. training in the UK. It actually yeah. coaches us every single week on a Thursday at twelve o'clock. Uh, yeah. Twelve o'clock Thursday, yeah. yeah. Twelve o'clock Thursday coaches us every single Thursday. One of the top agency trainers in the UK. Yeah, I don't think session. anybody else does that. <laughs> That no, was a good session. It was good for the team. That was, uh, uh, anyway, that was basically the, what we covered uh, in a nutshell. But, but then the great thing about that is it keeps us on point. Yeah. It keeps us in the zone. And people, you know, in the zone is all about athletics and football and all the rest of it. And the top athletes, they're in the zone because they do the same thing all the time. Yeah. And they don't actually come away from it. It almost becomes a part of them. And it's, and it's, it's, it's in their DNA almost. Mm -hmm. Well, it isn't the DNA. I keep saying, if you, you know, if you basically cut me in half and open me up like a stick of rock, I'd have five properties written all the way through because it's in my DNA. Yeah. But I'd have also housing in my DNA. I would have, you know, po politics and housing in my DNA as well, actually. But that's the this is the this is the crux of the the problem here. The increasing aging population is going to be is going to be one we're going to have to watch out for, and the declining employed population. That's the one, you know, this is why, can we digress then? This is why we have to have a proper immigration policy. We need skilled people to come into this country and work and contribute towards the system and contribute their taxes as well. That's why you have to have a proper immigration policy yeah. because we're declining population. You don't see it right now, but it will eventually happen in the next 20 years where the baby boomers like me will disappear completely. I mean, I'll be 76 years old. I'll probably still be working, by the way. <laughs> I was expecting you to be, to be honest. <laughs> Japan's got it right now. Japan's got a huge aging population. It's way ahead of ours, and you can see the writing on the wall For if you look at them. They've got a crisis on their hands. They've not got enough people to work in their economy now to support their aging population. So they've actually had to bring all the aging population back. There's people in Japan at 95 year old still working in the shops and in bakeries and stuff like that. Now, for their point of view, you know, Jon Snow did this. If you watch uh, How to Live Till 100 Years, I think mm -hmm. it was a Channel 4 documentary recently. Oh, absolutely brilliant. Masterclass on how to live healthily and actively till 100 years and beyond. Because he was he was looking at the Japanese, uh, the Japanese people and they're working till all these ages. But the great thing is, it's they're contributing still towards society and they're actually and they're actually feeling better for it themselves. 
because they're now part of a song. I mean, it yeah, used to yeah. be like you're 65. Yeah, still gives them purpose, I think. Yeah. You, you, at least it used to be the, the old thing about you're retired at 65, and then after that, you're put out to pasture. <laughs> that was literally it. And then everyone was like, well, wait a minute. Well, I'm going to work all my life to save all this money. And then, then, then that's it. That was the fear I always had 30 years ago when I first started an investment. I would never want to get to the point where I wasn't able to enjoy what I had built in terms of wealth. Yeah. I wanted it to do it a bit earlier than that. I never wanted to run along the beach or, well, have my Zimmer frame. I had this thing about the Zimmer frame along the beach, try to catch my wife. And even if I caught her, I wouldn't have what to do because I was too old. <laughs> That's the type of example of what I didn't want to have. That's what I didn't want to happen. It's like, thank God for that. I did what I did. Anyway, let's wrap up. Yeah. Aging no, populations, no. households. It's not only as many households we build, but whether we are constructing the right kind of homes for the older generation. Yeah. I mean, there's thought-provoking times ahead for the five property market. Um, and so, final words with you, Richard. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I just I think there's a lot of good um, there's a lot of good stats and things there that represent how trends have changed, especially since lockdown and and obviously the, the effects of the pandemic and how we. Uh, move and 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 uh, up and down the ladder and fife and things, but that has always been something that's a problem in terms of being able to move up the property ladder because these people are holding on to their homes, um, and there is only way one way to kind of really resolve it, and it's to build the right housing for people to move um, either down the ladder or uh, up the ladder, like you said. Yeah. So, tuned in, and we're just finishing off. My final words on this is probably, you know, if you, if you are looking to sell in the, in the next couple of months, or even probably the next year, I'll be honest mm -hmm. with it. You know, if you want to know more about the other factors that will affect you and your property, because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, we do know what you don't know, by the way, and that's why you get us in to tell us you that what exactly what to do and how to do it. This is this couple that was in this morning, what I was into this morning in St Andrews. Yeah. They're not at the stage of selling right now, but what I've done is I've left them with the facts of where their position is right now compared to the position that they could be in and how I can get them from here to there in the yeah. easiest way possible, with as least stress as possible, at the best value possible. Yeah. And that's it. Thanks very much for coming on the show, Richard. We're doing part two of Landlord Lingo. We're covering uh, quite a lot on that. Ken will be joining us Saturday morning, so there'll be three of us. And you are talking a lot there about inflation and mortgage rates and things. Jim, you and I will be covering that on the Wealth Creation Show Monday at 12.30. Monday at 12.30. That's going to be a good one, because I'm going to show exact prime examples of how inflation, how interest rates, how occupancy rates, how yields, how returns, how taxes, all affect so, yeah. your investment strategies in property. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see you tomorrow. Um, we'll see you not tomorrow. This is Thursday. Saturday, Saturday morning, morning 9 30. Yeah. Monday morning, 12 30. Monday yeah. afternoon, 12 30. There they go. Just shows you it's live. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. And on that note, bye bye for now. <laughs>